podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast in a fortnight where the Rams' quest to go 20 unbeaten in all competitions was dealt a hammer blow in the FA Cup. But the winning streak in League One has continued in spectacular style in the past two weeks, keeping Derby just about on the toes of the top two with more crucial fixtures coming up. Uh, So joining me, Chris Parsons are two Derby County long-time sufferers, uh, Globetrotter Richard Kutcher. Glad to be back in Blighty, my friend. Uh, glad to be back in zero-degree England, having been in 35-degree South Africa. No, not really, but uh, I'm excited to get to quite a few games in the coming uh, weeks and months back on the trail following Derby County. So, yeah, in that regard, I'm pleased to be back, sure. Excellent, classic humble brag. I'd expect nothing less. That's <laughs> brilliantly done. And uh, it's another new voice on the podcast in what can only be described as the most exciting Derby County January debut since Abdul Kamara. It's Blake Fallows. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad. It's a little bit of transfer news, isn't it, on transfer <laughs> when we're going to be talking about it later on, but yeah. Announce Fallows. He's Announce. here. He's checked in. What an honour. <laughs> what an honour. Thank you for having me. Uh, great to have you, mate. Um, look, we've got to give credit where it's due, first and foremost. Um unless this isn't the case anymore, but have you kept up your record of going to every game this season, home and away in all competitions? Yes, yeah, I've done every game home and away, including the the pizza trophy and everything. So yeah, wow. bit, of, bit of a glutton for punishment um, towards the start, but it's getting better, isn't it? So, um, Mate, honestly, all jokes aside, that is absolutely phenomenal. That is, I mean, there's, there's a fair few who are as deranged as you are in doing the same thing, but that's genuinely very, very impressive. Um, Best and worst moments, highs and lows from the course of the season? Funnily enough, we had this conversation en route to Cheltenham um, and uh, best moments, I would say, Accrington for the crazy few minutes. Um, yeah. Obviously took over half the ground, take over, and then obviously the two penalty misses and, and then going 2-0 up was incredible. Anfield, obviously a highlight to, to go that close. Um and there's been a bit of debate online and on social media about whether that counts in our unbeaten record, but it does because you, uh, penalty shootouts only count if you win them. Correct. Um, worst moments. We did talk to a uh, another chap we had on a pod last week who, who's been to a few ways, and he did mention Torquay as a uh, low point in terms of distance and uh, embarrassment and lateness of equaliser conceded. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The the Sunday night kind of yeah, you're two minutes away and then you've got a hundred or so Torquay fans running straight at you and a four hour journey after it. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a sickener. I think Burton's kind of on a par with that, maybe slightly worse because of the kind of rivalry, not rivalry we have with them. Um to go there and not win again was as frustrating as a Torquay result for me. Um and then the the frustrating results at the start of the season were kind of when we were we were 
playing kind of well and, and getting in good areas, but not getting the results, kind of the opposite of what we're doing now. Um, that was that was frustrating. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely a frustrating start to the season. I think Kutch, we experienced a couple of those as well, Charlton and Shrewsbury and the like. But uh, some uh, West Ham reaction from us in episode 149. Of course, we're not going to dwell on it too long, though. Really, uh, obviously, we'll be discussing Port Vale away, and uh, as we're recording on transfer deadline day. Uh, I was going to say we could even get some live reaction to an actual Derby County transfer, but it's already happened, boys. Like ha- we we <laughs> literally signed somebody fifteen minutes ago. Phenomenal scenes. This is some piping hot podcasting action we are bringing you right now. Um, so who's going to volunteer to constantly refresh the Derby Twitter while we do this for when signing an um two comes in? I can probably do that. Our, our Discord channel is is pumping tonight, Chris, from our patrons. So we're we're getting up. We're, I'm I'm relying on that channel because I get notifications from that. So I'll keep an eye on the on the Discord and some of our patrons are, are putting links in and putting intel in there. So yeah, great stuff. We'll come to uh, we'll come to later for sure. Brilliant, brilliant. But uh, well, let's get out of the way. A disappointing exit from the FA Cup in the fourth round. Then after that two nil home defeat to West Ham and well we, we never really laid a glove on them at all did we I mean I don't think it was through lack of effort against against the Hammers but the difference in quality was clear I mean they West Ham took their chances it was just disappointing really Blake that we didn't have the composure or the quality to ask any real questions of them in in the final third or create some chances because I think even if we had have just created a couple of decent chances to get the crowd up we could have got a bit of momentum going and maybe made something of it, but we just, from from the moment that first early goal went in, it just never looked like being our night or or something that we really get anything out of, did it? No, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with the the early goal. I had to move because normally I'm in the in the east stand, but um, obviously with the West Ham allocation, I had to move. So I was in the south stand yesterday, and I think that early goal, the the FA Cup atmosphere under the lights didn't quite reach the heights it could have I think that that kind of knocked the wind out of the sails early doors that that goal and once you go behind to a, a side that's got European level quality in it European football quality in it it just allows them to to run the game the way they did and having that goal cushion away from home they really showed the the kind of gap in quality of how they move the ball and and how they just con- took the control of the game from that from that early goal onwards. I mean, we showed glimpses, didn't we? And, and it's kind of the Derby County story this year of when we haven't done as well of getting into good areas and maybe not picking out that that final ball or that that killer pass once we've got in behind. And I think that showed a little bit for the the, the very rare opportunities we had. Um, my, my view on it as a whole would have been I'd have taken a 2-0 defeat at home to a Premier League side if everyone gets through unscathed. So obviously with the the Max Bird news, it puts a bit of a dampener on it. it I think that's an extra disappointment, but it, it's result-wise, I think it was um, a very professional performance from a, a very, very good West Ham side. They, they had a very strong side out. This is it, Coach, isn't it? Like, Because we have actually gone behind in our last two away games to Port Vale and to Cheltenham. Went to behind to Cheltenham after, what, about three minutes? But the difference is those sides know how to defend a lead, whereas teams in League One usually commit some sort of blunder at some point in the game, if not more, um, and the games are far more open and, uh, you know, they're far less professional. Yeah, and and we are better than those teams in League One and we're not better than Premier League West Ham who are 
I would say probably in a false position. I, I expect they'll be easily safe this season. I don't think they'll be really embroiled in, in a long-term relegation scrap. I expect them to finish kind of mid, lower mid-table this season. They've got they've still got a very good team full of international players. They're in Europe as well, not not by accident. And you know, I think we we probably lost a game when they beat West when they beat Everton at the weekend. Thank you, Frank Lampard, because that kind of put them back up onto a into a better place again. If they'd kind of drawn or lost that game. There would have been more pressure. Maybe Moyes would have rested more players. Um, and then the early goal just kills the tie, really, in my in my opinion. Like, West, you needed to kind of... It, these kind of ties, you need to take them late. And look, I know Sheffield Wednesday beat Newcastle. That was a really impressive scout because Newcastle are flying in the Premier League. But um, I just felt with, with West Ham getting that early goal, it was just a very professional job done by them. I can't really fault anything Derby did or didn't do. To be honest, I think West Ham are just a much, much better team with a strong team out. They got the early goal and that suited them down to the ground. And I wouldn't read too much into it. As, as Blake says, far more disappointed with uh, Max Bird's injury than the result or the performance that, that night. Maybe I'd feel different if I'd paid the money and gone to the game and you know, maybe feel a bit shortchanged. But looking at it from the outside perspective, I just think it was, yeah, park it, move on and, and let's see if we can keep this run going in the league. What do you make of... Tom Barkhausen's quotes afterwards, Blake, because you were there, um, basically saying that Warren said to the whole squad beforehand that he was planning to give, to change things up massively at 60 minutes, get everyone on the pitch at 60 was, I think, the the phrase that he used. So it seemed clear to me that that Warren mass- wasn't particularly prioritising this game either. Um, I know Kutch has mentioned the, the word short change there, but like, w- would you have gone if you knew that we were going to, sort of chuck on the fringe players after an hour? Uh, yeah, I think it's important because of having a, the squad we've got, we haven't got the the massive amount of depth that we've had the luxury of having over the last few years. So if you can get the players that are on the fringe ready, because we, we haven't got many options, have we? And it was good to see Cash get back on. And I know Warren was quite tongue-in-cheek about he was honking in training on, on his first day back and then he's gradually got better and he eased into the game. So... Their little bonuses, obviously, with the bad news with with Max Bird, you got the good news of um, Aaron Cashin being back on the pitch and looking comfortable again, which is a, a massive bonus for us getting that partnership back that that, that was keeping the clean sheets before. And I, I, you kind of have to look at it objectively. I believe if you believe in Paul Warren and what he's done, then I believe in it a hundred percent and I buy into it. So if that's the the way he wants to go with it and bringing these players on and keeping them fresh, I buy into to what Paul Warren's doing and I agree with it. You've got to keep players like uh, Liam Thompson who came on and, and those kind of players, you've got to keep them match fit because one or two more injuries, I know with the transfer news, we might have a, another midfielder, but one or two injuries, Thompson's playing every week. So you've got to keep these players ticking over, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he talks about Max Bird. <sighs> what, what a blow that could be. But potentially not as bad as it may have been because, and all credits are won, we've replaced Max Bird less than 24 hours after he got injured um, with the news. We'll talk about it in more detail in the second half, but uh, the news that Derby have signed uh, promising 21-year-old Spurs midfielder Harvey White on loan for the rest of the season. Um, and uh, some Spurs fans that I spoke to well, eight Spurs fan, just the one, but <laughs> um, only happened three, three hours ago. So um, very, uh, with very promising things to say about him. So all credits are worn in getting that one done and the team who did all the work behind the scenes. Um, I mean, how big a blow is losing Max Bird? Coach Warren himself said 
uh, in true Paul Warren fashion. He'd rather have lost 8-0 and not lost Max Bird than lost 2-0 <laughs> and lost Max Bird. I'm not sure I would have liked to have seen us get humiliated 8-0 live, even if it was only on ITV4, not ITV1. But <laughs> the point remains, um, Max Bird's been flying in recent weeks, really come into his own, really added to his game in obvious ways this season. Um, can we cope without him? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we can cope without him. Um, I think there's a few different options you can do. I think obviously lots of people talked about, can we get a right back in to move Corey Smith into midfield? We haven't been able to get a right back in for the last six months. So I don't know how we are magically going to make one appear today of all days. Um, Liam Thompson, I really like Liam Thompson. I thought he was brilliant last season when he had a good run in the team. And I think he maybe suffered at the start of this season when he was a bit in and out and the general disruption of everything going on and he's still a young player. So if he, I wouldn't mind seeing him give, given a run. We got Morecambe on Saturday, you know, no disrespect to Morecambe, but that would be a game where you could try him out in the position again, um, alongside Harrahan, who's obviously a lot more settled as well. So I think he's an option. Jason Knight can play deeper. I think Jason Knight has been a revelation, obviously a bit further up the pitch, kind of in like a, a, a super pressing number 10 role. Um, but Jason Knight can play a bit deeper and you can play McGoldrick in that role behind Collins, Barclays and Dobbin. They can all play different parts of that, of that kind of front three, uh, which meant could mean Jason Knight calls back. So even before you put Harvey White, Harvey White into, uh, into that mix, um, I think there's other options. No one is Max. There isn't anyone like Max Bird in, in the, in the squad, not because he's head and shoulders above everyone else, but because he's a certain type of player, we don't really have anyone else like him. So um, he will be a real miss because he has, he, him and Harahan together have just improved as a unit so much in the last, well, on this run, the last 10, 15 games or so. So he will be a miss, uh, but excited to see another young player or excited to see Liam Thompson given a chance in the team. I keep wanting to say Harvey Price, who is very much somebody else entirely. Um, I'm definitely going to get that wrong at some point in the next few months. Well, um, Harvey White sounds like a Batman villain or something, doesn't he? It's Harvey Dent, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, one of those three people now plays for Derby. Um, Kutcher, have we signed anyone else? Do you do a quick check? Just like a little, a little live on-air Twitter check? No. No. Uh, no No news from Pride Park. Blake, one more on the on the cup. I mean, it was it was funny because if we had have won, it would have been Man United away again for uh for the biannual uh cup game against them lot um i think the fifth time in seven seasons we've been playing them in the cup i mean it's, it's all very hindsighty now and obviously you can say that because we lost but generally when he wasn't bothered about not playing man united in the cup would have got pumped anyway um and we've all been there before and it's another fixture in the calendar so i'm honestly absolutely fine with not going through I'm with you on that one. I had exactly the same conversation with my my dad after the game yesterday, and it was kind of a an inform Man United. We go there, um, an extra game. I mean, you got to look at for myself who does every game home and away from a selfish point of view, more expense, <laughs> another half day off work. But you're looking at it from a Derby County perspective. Yeah, you throw another game in there. I think I think I it's 37 that I've been to this season. I might be wrong, but I counted it up the other day to, to get some Instagram likes, but at this level, <laughs> when you're in the, when you're in the Papa John's trophy and you're in the league cup and you're in the FA cup and people, I know we've only got to the fourth round, but if we'd have beat West Ham yesterday, it'd been the first time we'd win four FA cup games since we got to the semi-final. 
So it's the, the amount of games we're playing are adding up. And yeah, it's lovely to go and have your day out at Old Trafford. But like you said, uh, we, we've been there quite a bit. So it's not quite the novelty it might be for some League One clubs, I think. Blake, your, your bank account must be very happy you haven't got Manchester United trip as well to uh, 30, 37 games. Did you go to the World Cup as well or something? How the hell has there been 37 <laughs> games to go to? <laughs> that might be wrong. And you're probably going to get loads of people tweeting saying, what is this What is this bloke on about? No wonder like he's not doing anything himself nowadays. But I'm sure, and I, I counted them. I'm, yeah, I'm sure, sure I, don't, don't, I don't doubt you. I'm just trying to, I can't yeah. believe we've played. I mean, no, I mean, what, it's 20... It's what, 28 in the league, isn't it? So Yeah, 27 in the league plus a thousand pizza games. So yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's I think I think last night was 38 actually, but I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, so f- from a selfish perspective, I I wasn't overly bothered. I mean, when the draw comes out, obviously you see Man United and then Derby County's name gets drawn out next to it. There's uh, initially that that excitement, that natural excitement of oh, Derby County v Man United in the FA Cup. But then when you look at it from the we're in League One. We've got a, a stretch squad and that kind of thing. I'm not overly disappointed on missing out on that trip. Give me a trip to uh, Peterborough or Forest Green any day of the week over being in Old Trafford and away and behind the goal from about 4,000 metres away from the actual pitch. And, you know, we've been to Northwest away this season already, haven't we? So, you know, twice it's Overrated. just getting carried away exactly uh more in a second on steve Bloomer's washing where uh maybe we'll have signed a second player in the past in the past hour but don't forget you can uh support the podcast of course over on uh patreon our latest bonus episode is uh, that away day special that i mentioned before which was recorded on the road in cheltenham earlier this month uh it costs just as little as three quid a month to get an extra episode and loads of other monthly benefits from us. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing to sign up today. It's Wilson who takes! Goodness gracious me! That is quite something! Romero rooted to the spot. As the Derby fans in a corner of Old Trafford go absolutely delirious. Hi Derby County fans, I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mark Poom. And you are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. We can never quite get those two clips to like sort of seem together, can we? It sounds like Struper, Wanchop and Poom are sort of introducing like a Derby County goals montage or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite... I think Mark, well, Mark Puma, I, we did both the Mark Puma and Branko Struper interviews right in the height of lockdown. I know, Blake, you did loads of quite fun, emotional interviews in the height of lockdown as well. And I think the, I think I told you at the time, but the Mark Puma one, the Branko Struper one, he was basically crying the whole way through it. And I was crying along with him. It was just, and I just get emotional when I hear that one and the Mark Puma one, because with Mark Puma, me and Tom, I think we're on a call with him for two hours and it was probably the best two hours of my life. Um, yeah. So yeah, great guys. All three absolute Rams bona fide legends for different reasons. Um, well, next up, Port Vale away. That uh, spectacular, phenomenal late win. Absolutely incredible stuff. It just felt so massive, didn't it? It felt really seismic in, in the narrative of this Derby County season. And Blake, we just don't do this. We just don't win games like that at all. Like, I mean... Granted, you've seen him in the flesh a lot, a lot more than we have, but we've all been watching this club for an unhealthily long amount of time. And Derby County don't 
go behind and then score two in 90 seconds in the 89th minute. We just do not do that. So to score in that way, it was just, um, I was absolutely buzzing afterwards. God knows what it must have been like for yourself and the 3,800 behind that goal. But uh, before we get the, uh, you know, the first person account from Blake about what it was like, how that away end, um, how it was absolutely bouncing afterwards, let's remind ourselves how that late, late Mendes Lang winner sounded from behind the goal, courtesy of this incredible audio from a Derby fan, Mick Bolton. Blake, the, the people, I don't know if those people near where he was filming, but they sound like absolutely feral. Like they sound like <laughs> completely lost their shit. I mean, what was it like? Just talk me through that 90 seconds. Yeah, it's it's how you said, Derby County don't do that. And we, I heard that phrase three or four times leaving the ground. It was, it, that game, it had all the makings of, why you why you follow football i saw one of the the football away day type accounts uh post a video similar to the audio you just used and the caption was this is why we could travel up and down the country and i think they hit the nail on the head there because there's a di- kind of a different atmosphere taking 3800 in a in a cramped little shallow stand i mean i'm six foot one nearly six foot two and on this shallow, I was right behind the goal in the middle, couldn't have had a better seat. And I was still straining for a view. There was people kind of behind stanchions and it had that feel of three, three and a half, 3,800 Derby fans in a, in a stand creating this incredible atmosphere and on 85, 86 minutes. And I mean, especially when Dobbin goes through and, and that chance kind of goes begging, you do have the feeling of, here we go again. Uh, we've kind of had the chance to get something from the game and, We've come to Port Vale, albeit on a on a crap pitch. Um, they've it's played an awful pitch, wasn't it? Absolute dog of a pitch. Well, it looked difficult to play on from the away end, but when I watched it back for the thirty seventh time when I got home, um, it actually looks a lot worse, and you can tell more on the highlights and on the television cameras how bad it was. From it looked kind of green and, and fairly normal from the away end, but you could just tell it wasn't quite right underfoot, and players didn't look comfortable. And I think Port Vale played into that a little bit. And then when they go ahead against a runner play and they, they can kind of try and stop Derby playing. And it's just a, another poor one, one master streak, isn't it? To, to bring Dobbin and um, the unsung hero, Tony Springer on. He kept the ball in for the winner. Yeah. Um, and to just to attack that left-hand side of Port Vale because it was wave after wave and it was nearly 3-1 with, with Dobbin again coming down that side. But when... I mean, I mean, McGoldrick's the coolest man in the area, isn't he? Um, at the minute, I don't think he ever ever looks phased. But once that rolls in, trickles in, you see it just between heads. You see it hit the back of the net. I think I didn't hit, I didn't see Mendes Lang touch the ball. I just saw the ball hit the back of the net afterwards. <laughs> it, it was honestly one of them. You kind of like you see in the ball through. It was just incredible. And when that roll went up, when when Mendes Lang and then you go down to the corner, there's, there's always a case and there's always recency bias with kind of moments like that as a football fan when you're in that moment and whatever chemical reaction happens that you feel how you feel you automatically think this is the best feeling ever and this is the best game i've ever been to but we're a week on now exactly not almost a week to the minute since it happened and i still just thinking about it i'm buzzing and it's got that kind of 
Leeds away kind of feel to it. Maybe the Forest away with the the 3-2 coming back from behind and the 10 men. Just the the feeling that you've witnessed something there, something very special and something that a game you'll talk about for years to come. And the biggest takeaway emotion for me was it felt like one of those moments in the season, maybe like... I don't know, Southend 1-0 away when we went top of the league in, in January when we last went up. You do have those moments in the season sometimes where you go, right. Yeah. And to coin a phrase of a, a former Derby midfielder I used to work with, something special is happening here. Uh, <laughs> and that's a, the kind of the feeling I had afterwards, like, right, this is... Abdul Kamara said that, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was, it was like, right, we're not just won, we're not just won a few games against some quite bang average League One sides. We're doing the busier. We're 18 unbeaten. Or seventeen unbeaten at the time, we're we're coming from behind and we've got the not the mark of champions because obviously that's but you've got that kind of winning mentality where you're going and going and it's honestly I you go away thinking right we're doing this now we're doing it yeah well this is um it's it's all about like the narrative to use that slightly pretentious word again like Kutcher isn't it because we've all seen Derby score away from home uh, on and off over the years but like to to make it five wins in a row and to uh to come back from the way we did um and to you know to given how far we've come this season and the whole sort of uh, the whole sort of journey we've been on this season that's what made this winner that much more special wasn't it yeah absolutely it's just that 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 kind of unrelenting wave of momentum which is carrying the team through hard work but carrying the team and Paul Warren and the fans along with them. And and it's, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, self-fulfilling cycle. I don't know what the right white term is, but the more you do that things, the more the more it's going to happen because the players believe more, the fans believe more, the opposition know that you're, you're going to keep going to the very end. Like the Springer example is the perfect kind of epitome of, of that comeback, the way that he doesn't give up on keeping that ball in. He literally just tries to hit it back into play. And he keeps to, you know, I think Curtis Davis said that as soon as the first goal went in, he could tell that they were gone. He could tell the Port Vale players were completely gone. Their heads were gone. It was like, just keep going. And, you know, not only was it a late comeback, but it was literally those two goals were back to back, wasn't it? They, they kicked the ball out from the, from the kickoff and you hear the roar from the away fans. And then within about five passes, it's gone from the right-hand side to the left-hand side. And then, the, the, then Dobbin gets away. And Dobbin is just... An enigma in the sense that, you know, he gets he gets a lot of criticism for missing good chances. A lot of those good chances he creates himself. Like he beats players, clever player, good movement. And then for some reason he struggles with that finish in the box. And then he creates two fantastic assists. The way that he just beats those players down the left wing for the second went like they're not even there. You know, he looked unplayable in those last 20 minutes and he probably could have had a hat-trick for himself. And he almost scored, you know, the third goal when he hits the bar and it comes down and almost goes over the line. So I think Do- Dobbin and Springett kind of a, you know, epitomized that that kind of squad-wide approach and the fact that Springett's bought into it so quickly from Warren. Because I thought he looked okay when he came on against Bolton as well. I thought he looked lively and, and busy and energetic and he followed that up. So um, I think we're slowly putting a little bit of depth together in that attacking third. And I know that one of the players we've been linked to today is another player in that attacking third, a young player. So we should have plenty of options up there, which which is what you need when you want to play Warns high energy pressing, unrelent, you know, relentless uh, style. How many times have you watched the goals, Kutch, from that game? A lot of times because um, 
very much the opposite of Blake because I was down in South Africa and they have massive um, infrastructure power issues in that country currently. The two-hour blackout we had that day was uh, uh, was 10 till 12 p.m., which is 8 till 10 p.m. here in the UK. <laughs> so uh, I think I saw that we were one nil down. And then when I turned my phone back, when, when I got power and internet again two hours later, we'd won, we'd won 2 one and I saw that it was, you know, the last couple of minutes. So I completely missed all of the game as it happened. And I was just refreshing Twitter until some people started posting videos when it was like one o'clock in the morning where I was. So I've, I've caught up a lot since then. So I think every day I've probably watched it five times, I imagine, since then, because it is it's, it's like a drug. You just can't not inject it into yourself. I know. Yeah. Well, literally every time it popped, you know how like, in the aftermath of games like that, you're on Twitter and whatever, and and the goals pop up, and you've you've seen it a few times. Like, oh, you keep on scrolling, but literally every time it pops up on my Twitter, like I had to watch the whole thing in full again from start to finish. Yes, I couldn't <laughs> help myself. But it actually, uh, uh, on a similar subject, I don't know how it is for you both, but like when there is a just a momentous win that you're completely buzzing about like that, we'll watch it whether it's on telly or if you're there in the ground like Blake was, and then in the aftermath i'll just sort of soak up the the glory and the and the feel good factor on twitter for a bit and then i'll watch the uh you know then i'll watch the um the chris lawn video obviously where he puts like ed Dawes's voice over the sky sports video that's always good and then i'll watch it on rams tv again just another way to watch it <laughs> but recently i've discovered my new favorite subgenre of like post-match football content consumption which is uh, Derby goals, but as viewed by opposition fans in the same ground. So <laughs> like, it's it's just, it's a really rich vein of just glorious sort of Sheldon fraud humor. Uh, and there was an incredible one after the, <laughs> I'm just laughing, thinking about it. Uh, after the, uh, the two, one win over Bolton, uh, just check out this, this glorious bit of comedy footage from a, uh, a Bolton YouTuber after Conor Harahan's goal. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really get much better than that, does it, Blake, in terms of if you're going to laugh at away fans? No, um, that's brilliant. And there was one, I actually tweeted the Port Vale fan who, who put it up. There was one from like the, the far end at Port Vale as well, which was, oh, they can't score here or, or something along those lines. And then the limbs. And I actually tweeted them and put fair play for putting this up because it's not part of a YouTube vlog or anything. It's just a decent video of our support. And I think quite a few Derby fans uh, got in touch with him and said, thank you for this because it's a brilliant video. But... Is he the lad who sounded, he sounded really stoked as well, didn't he? I think yeah. the lad who, yeah, proper. I'm not going to try and do it, but yeah, I know which one you mean. Um, so yeah, hugely enjoyable stuff there. But um, yeah, so it's all ticking along quite nicely. The cup aside, and uh, as we said, stuff is happening as we speak. This is exciting stuff, lads. Um, we've already signed one player five minutes before we started recording. Harvey White uh, has joined on loan from Spurs for the rest of the season. Left-sided, uh, attack-minded centre midfielder. I think, from what the little I can tell, and what Spurs fans have said about him, it seems like a good capture. I think there were other teams who were after him. Um, and I did ask a good friend of mine who is a lifelong Spurs fan, who is he? Is he any good? And uh, well, his exact words were, uh, yes, left-footed, creative centre midfielder, brilliant at dead balls and can play as a false nine if pushed. Give him game time. 
and he will flourish. Um, what I do like also, Kutch, is that he has done. He has paid his dues a little bit in the lower leagues. Had a twenty-game spell at Pompey a couple of years ago, and uh, according to his Wikipedia, in a preseason friendly, he was once described by Antonio Conte as really, really intelligent. Make of that what you will. Maybe he reads a book a week. I don't know. <laughs> Nature, geography, all of the all of the trivia board. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he'll be. Uh, yeah, I think he'll be a good addition. As you say, I'm always a little bit. I don't know if reluctant because I think Dobbin and um, Spring it. I think we're both their first loan spells, and and Dobbin's been good, and and Spring it looks promising. Uh, I'm always a little bit reluctant though when it's someone's complete first loan spell. But we are a League One club now, so I think that's going to be the situation we're in uh, for the time being. Um, so the fact he has done a 20 game spell at Portsmouth, I think he actually, that was actually when Pompey were still a, not a mess, but a little bit more disrupted as a club. And there was, I think the magical changes and stuff. So it probably wasn't an easy time to be at Pompey either from some of the comments I saw on Twitter from Pompey fans. Uh, and they seem to think he was a, a decent player. So look, if he's, if he's league one ready, um, that, that, and he's another body in the building that can maybe do a job, um, in central midfield and compete with Liam Thompson and others to fill the bird hole. Uh, then I think that's a that's 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 a good thing, and if he's even better than that, then then even better. So I, I never know how much to read into when he's when you read that he was linked to you know, West Brom wanted him and Luton Town wanted him. If that's true, great. But I am always Could just be his agent, about, couldn't it? Exactly. I think it's in everyone's interest to say that the players in demand, right? It's in Derby's interest to say that they fought off interest from other clubs, other so-called bigger. Yeah, or nobody else clubs. wanted him really. So we're happy that yeah. you've, you know you've taken him off our hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think it's a it's a positive move. And the other bit of update, Chris, which uh, Dominic at BBC Derby just uh, tweeted uh, 20 minutes ago or so, uh, he's, he's saying that that is, that is job done for Derby tonight uh, as as far as the first team goes. They, they tried for both a strike and a right back, but viable options weren't good enough. So I don't think we'll, we're expecting any more breaking news during the pod recording. So I think that's probably probably business done for the night, according to BBC Derby Sport. What, what I'm excited and interested to see with this is that this is Warren's first signing. Like it's the first player that he's identified and said, you can improve this team. Whereas, you know, there, there was uh, a Sula who was already there when he arrived and Dobbin wasn't a Warren signing, was he? He was already here as well. But he did sign Spring It. He did sign Spring It, Chris. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. His, his, his second signing then in the space of a week or two. But like, I'm sure Warren will have identified these players. And I don't know, I'm just thinking about his like coffee test and how he takes players for a coffee and tries to sound them out as what they are like as, as people and that sort of thing. But I think, I don't know, I'm sure Warren cares about all his players, but I imagine he'll be particularly keen to get something out of of White and out of Spring It as well. So hopefully they should both offer something. Yeah, totally. And what's really struck me about Warren and, and what he said about recruitment and, and what he's implemented with his recruitment is how similar when, I, when I've spoken to and, and listened to interviews with uh, players who played for Nigel Clough that they're not just watching videos of, of these players and saying he, he looks like a player. They're, they're kind of looking into the character of players and, and getting the right people in that will help the squad and, and fit into what he's built. It's not just a case of going to Arsenal and saying, have you got a, a left-sided player that we can borrow for six months? They're looking at the the character of these people, what they've achieved, how they can be a part of the squad. And he said, no one's going to come here and, and walk into a team. You're going to come, you're going to work hard, you've got to work your way into this team that's 14 unbeaten in the league. Um, 
quite different to the uh, to the Mel years, isn't it? Where we just bought everyone's player of the year for about four years in a row and hope for the best. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see um, what Warren can do. Um, obviously, his record in League One is incredible. So there's I trust I trust what he's what he's doing and his his ethos of of how he's doing it. I, personally, I would I would have quite liked maybe one more forward player in the building. That's me being incredibly selfish. And obviously, we see the um, the anniversary of the march has has just gone by, and we look at where we were a year ago. So it's not the end of the world that when you look at the bigger picture that we've not brought a striker in. I just look at McGoldrick; he's not going to play in every minute of every game. Um, and Collins is as good as he has been in spells. Um, you, you kind of just need, I think, the one cherry on top of the the Derby cake that is very good at the minute. At the minute, would be an out and out someone who's going to go and get ten goals before the end of the season. Now, but that's me in an ideal world. Um, so I'm not moaning too much. Yeah, and no, I, I kind of take that. I saw some other comments on Twitter just now. People wondering if if maybe we are a striker short and. I think I think it'd be nice to have. I mean, my only comment would be there are goals, particularly in this in this run, there have been goals from all over. Obviously, McGoldrick's the standout contributor and his fitness is always a concern. I think Warren just got to manage him really carefully. As soon as he has a little niggle, you just don't play him and you get him back. You know, better to miss one game than miss three or four, as, as Warren said a few times. Collins has seemed to blow a bit hot and cold. But I think he's got goals in him and Barkhausen's come good. Obviously, Mendes Lang's been good. My, my my suggestion would be that, you know, if Dobbin and Springer can really challenge that left-hand side spot, then Barkhausen is also an option down the middle. You know, he, I think when he signed for Liam Rossini, he really wanted to play as much more as a as a central attacker or, or much higher up on the left wing. So I think he would be an option to play down the middle. But I agree, like, you know, it's kind of, um, I don't want to use the word Jack Marriott because he's obviously not the fix, but you want that kind of striker, kind of a small, what we're missing is that kind of a sharp, a fox in a box type striker and they don't they're not free they're not free and they're, they're really good ones really aren't available in loan to league one clubs either so i think that was always going to be a hard one i know that they were linked to an arsenal youngster but I, I, he sounded more like a winger as well if we've got enough wingers we needed if we needed anyone we needed a, a central striker which would make it a bit something a bit different to collins and mcgoldrick and ideally young and quick um i thought we might have gone for connor wickham but uh i thought we we're gonna go for chris martin so what do i know <laughs> just wasn't meant to be was it uh which is probably for the best because you know for various reasons that we won't go into but um well speaking of nostalgia and Blake did touch on it there it was a year and minus one day that we all had that incredible day outside Pride Park and through Derby City Centre before the Birmingham City home game 30th of Jan 2022 um, was when the march happened. I mean, I've, I sort of look, there's been loads of content on socials about it this week, and some reckon it was 4,000. I, I saw an 8,000. I saw a 10,000. I saw a 15,000. Some sort of number between those two, the highest and lowest there, you know. But whatever it was, it was more about the symbolism, really, wasn't it? And and what it represented, and what an incredible showing of of support from a city and a community it was for our club in a really perilous time of need so i just wanted to finish off the pod this episode by asking you both how you think it will be remembered really um because it wasn't actually until five months after the march took place blake that we were actually saved and the takeover happened so in one sense it didn't really shift things on 
and maybe have perhaps have the effects, the tangible effect that we wanted it to. But I guess it wasn't really about that, was it? So, I mean, when you think about when you tell your mates and your family about this march that we all did before a random game once in five, 10, 20 years time, how do you think you'll be explaining it? It's, it's, it's really difficult. And it's a cliche to say it's difficult to put into words when someone asks you a question, but in some ways it's, it feels like five minutes ago. And in some ways it feels 15 years ago in, because I had a, a quite a, a sit down yesterday and I'd like 10 minutes to myself and was kind of scrolling through and, and looking at all these things. And I was working in Nottingham at the time um, and finishing at 10 o'clock at night and used to go and have a pint and catch up on everything that was happening because everything was happening day by day in those times. And there was times when I used to sit in this pub, um, sorry for swearing, by the way, uh, 14 miles up the road. And there was a point where I thought there wasn't going to be a Derby County after one of these setbacks we had, obviously it was there was some good news, and then obviously the rug would get pulled from under us, and then there'd be another light, and then the rug would get pulled from under us. And there, there genuinely was was a moment. And at Cheltenham, I spoke to a, a very loyal Derby fan who's been all over the place for for years, called Chris Kendall, and he said to me, "Blake, did you did you cry when you heard the news about Derby being saved?" And I said, "Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I sat." again in Nottingham and, and burst into tears because I genuinely thought at one point there would be, wouldn't would be a Derby County. So that memory of, I, I did it for, I think Five Live rang me while it was happening and I got I, I didn't anticipate the sheer size of it because I was in the marketplace and you can, the marketplace is kind of full, oh, this is good. But as you get to the cockpit island and turn right up Pride Park Way, you, as far as the eye could see, there was a sea of black and white, the traffic had stopped. And it was one of those moments where all the goosebumps like stood on end, hairs on end. It was one of those moments. And we still look at these historic pictures of like board out, Clough in, the protests against the board and Brian Clough leaving and and the Maxwell protests. And and this will go down as one of the, the biggest events in Derby County's history and just incredible for everyone involved in it. And it was our way to say, we're not going to just lie down and, and take this. Yeah, I know Kutch fans who are older than we are and were around for the trouble that Derby had in the 80s sort of talk about when they went down to the High Court and and deals were done there and all that sort of thing. But even just as a moment, I, I could probably count on one hand the number of moments I've had in, in 30 plus years of supporting this club that I, I genuinely think of and that I think I'll, I'll be telling my kids about in 20 years time um the two promotions that I've been lucky enough to experience one of the playoff games I guess probably the defeats as well but when me and you and Tom were stood at the top of that bridge and we were looking to Pride Park and then I happened to turn back and look the other way and see all the fans down the hill down the the A road towards the cockpit island like that's one of them that is a moment 100% that will live with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, and you asked what it, what you think it, how it'll be remembered. All we can really say is how we remember it now or how we think we'll remember it. And and yeah, I completely agree with you, Chris, that what what I found amazing about it as well, and obviously, you know, as you, as everyone knows on the pod, you know, we're not season ticket holders. We don't go to as many games as we'd like to go. We definitely don't go to as many games as Blake gets to. Um, so we have to kind of pick your moments and pick your games you go to. And obviously, when we knew about this game, 
and the march we were like well we've got to go to this one i think there was train problems it was just too early so we drove i ended up driving that day and it was a really long day we had to start i think we left i picked you up from south london at seven o'clock in the morning or something but what was amazing and i I can't remember if i broke if i bumped into blake that day but i bumped into so many people in similar situations to ourselves who only go to only can get to like you know five ten games a season it felt like everyone was there you know, whether it's 10,000 or 15,000, it felt like everyone that I know associated with Derby was there. And like we you know, we hung out with the Punjabi Rams guys for a bit. And there was a few, quite a few listeners came and said hi to us because they recognized us. And it's the first time they'd seen us in person. And it was just, um, yeah, I was crying for about the first 10 or 15. Well, the whole, once we got into the stadium and the, and seeing Pride Park fall half an hour before kickoff for a, what was it, a 1.30 kickoff or a 1 p.m. kickoff? Like that is is un, unheard of nowadays, even before a three o'clock or a five thirty kickoff. Um, so to see the ground fall and then Jamie to do his poem in front of a south stand, and I, I was just in a in a yeah emotional mess for about forty minutes once we we're in the stadium, and he kind of yeah it stops you from taking it for granted, uh, I guess, which I think a lot of us have done, and most football fans I expect you know no fault of their own take their football club for granted. You don't really know. You do take it for granted until it's threatened in the way that our club was. So I think I think a lot of people have been cynical about the march and about, you know, did it change anything? Was it worth doing? You know, we we should be criticizing more, you know, the people responsible. When communities are up against it, you come together and that was the the greatest strength of it. And that's the way that I'll remember it. And I think it's incredibly powerful. I, people call it a great advert for Derby County. I don't think it is an advert. I think it's it's more genuine than that. I think it was a real a real moment that um was 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 sincere and genuine i guess maybe that's the takeaway then isn't it that it showed us all to never take our club for granted ever again because there probably were times when we have but mm. a final thought on uh on this then for for the end of this episode i guess off the back of the anniversary of that march that look everything we've talked about for the past 45 minutes the and everything we've enjoyed this season nights like port vale cup games against Premier League opposition, none of it will be possible without David Klaus. He is the person, we were probably weeks away from having to start all over again, I guess that's what I heard, but he saved his lifelong club. And I'm going to end this podcast by saying that we all all owe him a debt that we can never really repay. So, uh, So thanks, David. And the open invite to come on a pod still remains open <laughs> to this day um we're gonna leave it there for this week blake an assured debut much better than abdul kamara's debut thanks for coming on man oh pleasure to have it uh, pleasure to uh, to be on sorry and um it's to be on a professional derby county podcast has always been my dream so uh thanks for having me well for us to host one is our dream maybe we'll get there one day um kutch thanks for going on as well mate yeah yeah really good really good really good even though we're talking after a defeat it's uh yeah it's great to have blake on we've been threatening doing this for a long long time uh blake and i've known each other for a long long time as well so yeah great to have you on blake and uh yeah to many many more derby county wins and a a stretching uh league unbeaten run Mm -hmm.